I'm journalist Carolyn Osorio, and I invite you to join me and my co-host, Brandon Morgan, on our podcast, Criminal Mischief. From law enforcement officers seeking justice to victims' families seeking answers, every week there's a new case and a new victim whose story deserves to be told. New episodes of Criminal Mischief drop every Tuesday. Welcome back to a brand new episode of The Casual Criminalist. This one I'm already going to struggle with. The Kudo Kai, the downfall of Japan's most violent Yakuza, and this is going to be full of Japanese pronunciations. And I know Callum afterwards probably going to be Callum, if you didn't know. He's British, like me. But he also lives in a different country. He lives in Japan. And so he's probably going to be listening to this afterwards and be like, Simon, your Japanese pronunciation hurts my soul. I'm sorry, Callum. I'm sorry to every Japanese person listening. Also, I feel like we cover a few of these from Japan. I don't know if that's because Callum just hears about all the serial killing living out in Japan or... I don't know, maybe there's just more serial killing in Japan. I don't even know what's going on. Uh, if you're new to the show, what happens here is Callum, who I've already mentioned, the guy in Japan. He's British, but he lives. What am I talking about? He's written me a script. I'm going to read it. And then uh, Jen, the producer on this show, is going to add some music and some images and some graphics and all that fantastic stuff. And together, we make up the Casual Criminalist Trio, which is something I just made up. Let's get into it. Today we're taking a break from all of the gore and misery of serial killers. Oh, <laughs> well, forget everything I said in my introduction then, Callum, and I apologize, audience. And veering off into the wild world of oriental organized crime. Few gangsters are more iconic than Japan's tattoo-covered Yakuza. Japan's mafia clans have been popularized in everything from movies to video games and even have their own dedicated fan magazines. Oh, God, it's like magazines glorifying criminals. Despite their place in popular culture, real-life Yakuza culture is actually in decline government crackdowns and internal schisms have been turning the screw on the gangs and their ranks are dwindling fast as a result. But against the backdrop of rapid decline, there's one group that seems determined to go down all guns blazing. And at this moment, an operatic true crime saga is just about wrapping up in the Japanese courts. One of the nation's top mafia gangs, by far the most ruthless of their time, is being held to account for decades of violence. We'll be looking into the story of their decades-long reign of terror and the pushback from the cops and ordinary citizens, which eventually brought them down. This is the story of the Kudo Kai, the downfall of Japan's most violent Yakuza. Death of a Fisherman Late at night, on the 18th of February, 1998, Kunahiro Kajiwara walked out of a bar in the southern city of Kitakishu, Fukuoka Prefecture. The 70-year-old was the head of a fisheries cooperative out for drinks with colleagues. Earlier in the week, Kajiwara had voiced his opposition to the construction of a marine pier in the city, which either meant he was hopelessly ignorant or extremely brave. That's because the company which was proposing the construction project was backed by the local mafia, the Kudo Kai. And even among the rogues gallery of Japanese Yakuza gangs, this lot were well known for pulling zero punches. Mr. Kajawara was about to find out that the hard way. As he stumbled out onto the street on that cold February night, two men in black approached him. One of them drew a pistol and shot the old man four times from point-blank range. Kajawara was left dying in a pool of his own blood. There was little doubt as to who was to blame. The old man wasn't the first victim of this kind of mob retaliation, and he would be far from the last. His murder was the first episode in a decades-long saga, which ultimately ended with the downfall of the mafia boss who ordered the hit and the subsequent collapse of his vicious gang. But unfortunately for the people of Kyushu, 
they still had a few more decades of bloodshed ahead of them. Yeah, mafia's intense. For some reason, I had a dream the other day that I was being extorted by the mafia for uh, protection money. Like some guy just came to my studio and demanded money. And said, oh, I going to up my store, like my, my office. And I was like, okay. So I paid him the money. I was like, he's just going to come back for more money, isn't he? And I was like, the mafia sucks. The Kudo Kai. Before we go any further, a bit of background on exactly who these guys are. The Kudokai, like many other Japanese Yakuza clans, began back in the pre-war days as an illegal gambling outfit. Throughout the 20th century, they grew in power to become the dominant criminal group in the post-industrial city of Kitakushu, down on Japan's southernmost main island. They generally hire new recruits from youth gangs in the prison population, sending their employees to work in drug dealing, prostitution, racketeering, and all of that fun stuff. And it's a big money business, one ex-member reported making almost 90 $19,000 a month to collecting drug debts. 10 years of smashing kneecaps and you can already start thinking about retiring, which is not a bad deal at all. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad deal at all if you are totally okay with danger and smashing kneecaps. I'll be like, 19 grand a month is a lot of money, but I don't really want to become a criminal. Thanks. Pass. But it's not all about vice and violence. What's especially surprising for an outsider is how public these mafias are. Each is a publicly registered organization, really? I mean, that must just be like a front, right? Like, the criminal has like a fake business to like launder money, like a car wash, like from Breaking Bad or whatever, right? And they conduct illegal business above board while ruling the underworld behind the scenes. The clans even have their own publicly registered headquarters. For our criminal kings of Kitayushu, that's Kudakai Hall, a white-walled compound in the center of the city protected with barbed wire and security cameras. From here, boss Satoru Nomura, who took power around 12 years ago, orchestrated the gang's activities. He might not immediately appear threatening, in fact, with his tailored suit and slicked back hair, he looks like any number of everyday salarymen. However, he's definitely not someone you'd want to mess with. At the end of 2014, he had an estimated 870 members and affiliates under his command, willing to slash his enemies to ribbons at the drop of a hat. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Just because he's wearing a nice suit doesn't mean he's not super, super scary and dangerous. And also, didn't the Yakuza, am I just, this might be just some movie thing or something I'm imagined or made up, but didn't they just have the tattoos, like, they avoided the, the neck part of the body? Because then if you had a shirt, they couldn't see the tattoos, but then if you took the shirt off, your, like, whole body, like, under the clothes, where, where the clothes can hide would be covered in tattoos, which, I mean... That's pretty smart. And honestly, like, seems like good advice. Because I see a lot of people, like, walking around just, like, with neck tattoos that kind of go up to their head. And I'm like, that might be cool now. But it wasn't cool 10 years ago. And I don't know if it will be cool 10 years from now when you're looking for a job. And they're like, uh, we don't, you know, we work in a customer-facing industry and we don't really want a giant serpent <laughs> on the necks of the people who are serving our customers in our, in our restaurant. So pass i just feel like visible tattoos like no problem with tattoos go for it but like visible tattoos it's like that 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 ain't coming off but that's just me i'm I don't know, could be totally wrong. Yeah, Nomura's gang really seem to have missed the memo about keeping a low profile. While most Yakuza follow a strict code of conduct which prohibits the murder of civilians, these guys just kind of say, well, f*** that noise. So if you sign up with the Kudukai, you're pretty much guaranteed the full GTA experience. Fast cars, heavy weaponry, and heaps of unnecessary violence. All stuff that I love in GTA. Immensely enjoy GTA. Things I want from GTA in real life nothing <laughs> absolutely nothing 
maybe the nice weather. I'm not exaggerating, in 2012, the police even busted one member for possession of a rocket launcher. That's a four-star wanted level right off the bat. That's... Uh, uh, yeah, maybe, but you can get six stars on GTA. I play way too much GTA 5. They're not shy about using their arsenal of assault weapons either. For example, when Chinese triads try to muscle in on their turf by opening a massage parlor without their blessing. Massage parlor, air quotes. Get the feeling there might be some prostitution going on there. Uh, the Kudu Kai responded by lobbing frag grenades at the Chinese consulate and assaulting the building with shotguns. Wait, what did the Chinese consulate have to do with it? It was just Chinese gangs. That's so weird. Even XPM Shinzo Abe fell victim to the gang back in 2000. His home was pelted with Molotov cocktails by the Kudu Kai because one of his aides refused to pay a bribe. When you're too mental even for your fellow Yakuza, nobody is off limits. But alas, twas the indiscriminate mentalness of the Kudu Kai that would eventually lead to their downfall. Yeah, I mean, if you're like throwing Molotov cocktails at the Prime Minister's house, like, He's going to be like, yo, 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 Japanese FBI, how about we start some sort of anti-Yakuza gang task force? I'm the Prime Minister, right? Is anyone going to object to this? Probably not. Probably not. Campaign of Terror So now you're aware of who we're dealing with. The Kudokai are more like full-blown domestic terrorists than standard mafiosos. Throughout the past 50 years, they regularly employed these shock and awe tactics to gain a stranglehold over the construction world in their territory, with Boss Nomura ordering an ever-escalating string of attacks against anyone who disagreed. Yeah, these guys are not like... I don't know, I've made a bunch of videos. i got another channel called Biographics, and we often cover like American mafia figures in there, sort of like the Italian mob, etc. And it's like... That always seems really violent to me and intense. And it's like, yeah, the Japanese guys, nah, nah, nah. We're attacking consul. Oh, well, the Chinese were attacking consulates. The Jap we're attacking the prime minister's house. We've got rocket launchers. You're going to have a bad day. It's like where the American mafia were like, yeah, 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 we killed another mafia member we didn't like. <laughs> big deal, American mafia. You're not so big now. Please don't kill me. Hence the murder of the aforementioned fishing co-op head in 1998. These intimidation tactics allowed Boss Nomura to, to charge anything from 1-3% to of all contracting work in the city. Oh my god. Everything? That's going to be a huge amount of money overall. Two low-level thugs went down for the murder not long after, but everyone knew the orders had come from way up high. Still, so long as the top bosses kept their own hands clean, the law was powerless to stop them. Well, don't they generally offer the guys lower down immunity to grass on the guys above them and then they get those guys in and they're like hey grass on the guys above you and we'll cut you a deal and eventually they get to the top but maybe they have some sort of like japanese murder or whatever where they can't ah. talk about it i learned so much about uh mafia from those videos we made because i'm not one i've i think i've seen goodfellas but i've not really seen a lot of mafia movies i learned so much about the mafia making those biographics videos i'm like mafia pro now not really but i mean i learned i learned some However, things started to really heat up around 2011 when the city and the nation as a whole started pushing back against organized crime. One year prior, the government passed a law making it mandatory to report extortion attempts. From then on, if ordinary citizens were caught associating with the gangs, they could find themselves jailed or fined. Laws like this signaled the death of the golden era of gangsters. That seems like a super sensible law. Corruption is bad for everyone, except the people, you know, getting the bribes. It's, it's bad for society. While many of the biggest Yakuza organizations took the hint and started expanding their legal operations, the Kudu Kai took a different approach. Have you seen the last act of Scarface? It was a little bit like that. Never seen Scarface, no. So I don't know. I don't, don't get the reference. 
but hopefully you do. What follows is basically a greatest hits from the past 10 years, showcasing the mental stuff Boss Nomura and his merry men got up to. 2011 In February 2011, a middle-aged security guard showed up for work in the Shimizu Corporation construction site. He was an ex-cop who landed the gig after retirement. Usually, the job would mean just stopping teenagers from hopping the fence, but unfortunately, the guy's employer had recently pissed off the city's top crime gang. <laughs> what have you got yourself into? Shimizu Corp was among several companies who had banded together against the Kudukai's racketeering attempts and refused to pay, but if the Kudukai weren't paid in cash, they collected their debts in blood. Oh, it sounds like a movie line. Over the past five years, they had been launching regular attacks against the company's officers, so the employees basically knew what to expect. After the 17th time a frag grenade knocks your coffee mug over, you barely bat an eyelid. <laughs> I love how they're just not messing. It's not guns. It's not like quietly killing people on the street. It's like, no, no, no. Bombs. Literal grenades into officers. Nonetheless, the guard was taken by surprise that night when a black car showed up at his post around 7 p.m. As the car cruised past the entrance to the construction site, the passenger rolled down his window. The guard shouted out, and the reply was a gunshot, which caught him in the stomach. As he crumpled to the ground, the driver sped off. For a gang famous for their hatred of the police, this attack meant killing two birds with one stone. Thankfully, they didn't actually kill the guy who was rushed to hospital and made a full recovery. His near-death experience served as a warning for any other companies considering stepping out of line. Yeah, holy <laughs> like That is an intense warning. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just want a chill security guard job? No, not here. Not here. Don't mess with the gangs. But apparently the message didn't really stick. Just nine months after that ex-cop took a nine-millimeter round to the gut, the gang came up against another problematic firm. The Hokushin Kensetsu Company was chaired by 72-year-old Toshihiro Uchino, and it was he who had the final say of choosing a subcontractor for a big job in the winter of 2011. Just like the fishery cop manager before him, he refused to bend to Kudokai pressure and rejected their chosen firm's bit. I don't know. It's like, yeah, I know corruption's wrong, but if I'm in this dude's position, it's like, I know I'm going to be killed if I don't accept it. So I'm going to be like, yeah, 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 risk getting into trouble or accept it and not get killed. It's like trouble is better than death. So what are you going to do? <laughs> like, yeah, 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 report it. They're going to kill you. They're definitely going to kill you. The gang exacted their revenge while the elderly man was returning home after watching a sumo tournament in the next city over with his wife. As he stepped out of his car, two men on a motorbike rode up on the street. The one on the back fired two shots from a handgun. One of them hit Uchino in the neck. The elderly executive bled out on his own front doorstep as his wife and friends desperately tried to treat the wounds. Yeah, you see, you stand up to them. Someone's going to ride up to you on a motorbike and shoot you in the goddamn neck. So, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Always bend to the will of the mob, is what I'm trying to say. Now, gunning down pensioners doesn't exactly sit well with the chivalrous gangster image that many associate with the Yakuza, so these killings didn't quite have the effect that Boss Nomura hoped for. If anything, it seems like their ruthlessness was actually starting to work against them. <laughs> what a surprise. Their opponents in the industry banded together with fed-up citizens of Kitayushu to lead public demonstrations against the gang's influence. As nationwide anti-Yakuza laws ramped up, the public felt ever more confident in openly opposing them, even the mayor of 
Kitayashu spoke out. So the Kudokai responded the only way they knew how. Slashing attacks against civilians and arson attacks against anti-Yakuza businesses spiked. The mayor started receiving death threats to his office, and he had to ramp up his own security. Yeah, like you get those death threats from these like crazy Yakuza. It's like, oh, they really mean it though. <laughs> it's not like a regular politician death threat where it's some crazy dude in the woods. It's like, no, 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 they're here and they've got bombs. It seems like the Kudokai would happily put blade or bullet in every single person in the city if that's what it took to bring them to heel. 2012 It wasn't just industry magnates and politicians on their kill list either, even the police were considered fair game. Around this time, investigators were close to building a convincing tax evasion case against boss Nomura, so his gang decided to send a signal directly to the top ranks of the force. On April the 19th, 2012, former de detective Yasuo Hiroshi was walking to work through a residential part of Kitakyushi at about 7am. Onlookers watched in horror as a man on a motorbike rode up beside the 61-year-old, pulled out a gun, and the rider shot the Get cop in the hip before speeding off. No prizes for guessing who was behind the attack. No, no, no. It's the gangs. Hiroshi was one of the city's top detectives in his day and took a firm stance against the Kudo Kai throughout his entire career. The renegade cop had stepped down the previous year, citing fears for he and his family's safety. Good call. All things considered, he got off relatively lightly with just a hospital visit, considering that he had been a, a thorn in the gang's side since 1978. An office lady managed to prop him up against a wall and called an ambulance. Hiroshi was back on his feet after a month of recovery. The Kudo Kai, however, would never quite recover from this, because seeing as one of their own had been attacked, the police response was massive. That's what it took? The, the grenades at the Prime Minister's house didn't encourage a massive enough police response? <laughs> They'd be like, get on it, guys. That was the Prime Minister. We should do something about these gangs. Over 120 officers converged on Kudukai Hall. While 20 special weapons officers in tactical gear kept watch outside, the rest ransacked the gang HQ for evidence. Later that day, as a middle finger directed straight at Boss Nomura himself, prosecutors indicted him for tax evasion. A huge chunk of the racketeering profits, which had trickled up to the chief through his underlings, had been uncovered, revealing that Nomura had successfully avoided a modest uh, 319 million yen in income tax, about 2.9 million dollars. Don't ever let anyone tell you that crime doesn't pay. I have to say, I kind of expected that he'd have more money. He's the head of some sort of crazy, dangerous Japanese crime gang that's the biggest in the country, and he avoided that little. I mean, did they just not catch the rest of it, or did he just like launder that in a normal way or something? I don't know. Either way, <laughs> got Al Capone's ass. 2013. As we move into 2013, the noose is starting to tighten on Boss Nomura and his crew. The cops made a habit of frequently raiding his home and other Kudukai properties, trying to shake out the gang. All of this added stress did nothing to cool Boss Nomura's famously volatile temperament, which brings us to the most outstanding and most absurd charge on his rap sheet. Towards the end of 2012, the then 66-year-old Yakuza boss went to a clinic in the city of Fukuoka for what newspapers intriguingly refer to as cosmetic surgery on his genitals. <laughs> okay. As you know, on this show, we like to ask the difficult questions that others are just too damn afraid to ask. So, are we talking about mole removal or something, or a facelift kind of deal? I think we'll just chalk this one up to an unsolved mystery and move on. <laughs> Penis enlargement? You didn't tune in for these mental images anyway. Certainly did not. Anyway, whatever he was in for, Boss Nomura was apparently extremely unhappy with the results of his nether regions nip and tuck. <laughs> 
How is this public knowledge? If I was some like mafia boss and I was having some like weird operation on my junk, I'd be like, I'm uh, going in for dentistry to or um, anything else or literally anything else. Just lie. And if anyone questions you, I don't know, chop off their head. You're a, you're a mafia boss. Just do it. The Quoker city prosecutor said that he unjustifiably resented the failed surgery and conspired to exact his revenge against the clinic. This meant targeting a female nurse who was part of the surgical team that day. Apparently, boss Wonky Knob found her especially disrespectful during his little medical ordeal. So in January 2013, he allegedly had one of his kudokai lackeys track her down. While the innocent woman was walking home from work, the gangster jumped her and stabbed her in the chest and neck. Imagine ordering a woman stabbed in the neck because she didn't treat your elderly genitals with enough respect it doesn't exactly scream mental stability i don't think we you know if you're like the head of some sort of crime syndicate i don't think you're like super mentally stable it's like you gotta be like happy to kill people there's gonna be people backstabbing you all the time it's gotta be pretty intense right i've seen enough mafia stuff to know that it's pretty intense it's gonna be a high stress lifestyle once again though the victim survived despite these guys are kind of at stabbing people to be honest and shooting people it's like you just shoot them in the wrong places or you stab them and you just He's not very good at it, are you? Please don't kill me. Despite being understandably traumatized, her ordeal would eventually prove essential to bringing the old Yakuza boss to justice. Nomura's reign of terror was fast coming to an end, and he must have been able to sense it. Towards the end of 2013, raids on his properties were becoming increasingly frequent, and something big was cooking over at the Fukuoka Prefecture Police Headquarters. Unbeknownst to the Kudu Kai, investigators had reopened the murder case from 1998. Not content with pinning the crime on some low-level enforcers who carried out the hit, they were looking to trace the culpability right up the chain of command, and as the police's attention returned to that case, the Kudukai once again targeted the family of the deceased. Here's where the story comes full circle. In December 2013, the Kudukai once again targeted the head of that same fishing cooperative. Now it was a man called Tadayoshi Ueno, who several sources report was the younger brother of the murdered chairman from 1998. If that was, if that was me, and I'd be like, wait, 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 <laughs> they murdered my predecessor because he made this decision that they didn't like. It's like, I wonder what decision I'm going to make. <laughs> I'd just be so easy to be like, I don't know, I'm not a hero. It's just a fishing port. I know it's bad and corruption's wrong, but I'd be like, they literally murdered the last dude. So yeah, I'm sorry, but I'm going with the dodgy mafia people and I don't care because otherwise I'll be dead. The family and organization continued to stand up against the mafia even after that murder, and this once again put them at the top of the gang's hit list. What are you doing? You're just going to get yourself killed. At about 8am on the 20th of December, the new chief executive was taking out the trash at his Kitayushu home. A car was parked some way down the street, and as the old man stepped out of his front door, the driver fired up the engine and rolled past the driveway. Tadayoshi Uno was shot down and found some minutes later by a passerby. Unfortunately, paramedics were unable to save him, and he died at the scene. What a shocking turn of events! He was 70 years old, the same age his brother had been when he was gunned down 15 years prior. If there's one thing Nomura is known for, besides his love of violence and apathy towards taxes, it's his superhuman ability to hold a grudge. As if any more proof of that is needed, five months later, a Kudukai member stabbed a 29-year-old dentist as he got out of his car in a parking lot. The guy's only crime had been being the grandson of Ueno and the great-nephew of the first murdered chairman. If at first they do not heed, stab, shoot, and stab again. They probably have another motto, but I think this one fits better. Yeah, I agree. It's super intense. You're just killing that dude because his granddad was someone he didn't like. It's like, what did he do to you? He's just someone. If my granddad did something someone didn't like and they killed me, I'd be like, what are you talking about? He's my granddad. He's not me. 
downfall. By mid-2014, the case against Kudu Kai top brass was looking increasingly strong. It was always suspected that their underlings would go to prison silently, staying loyal to the boss, even if it meant losing decades of their lives. It made it extremely difficult to nab the top dogs. Okay, there you go. They do have some sort of a murder code, like the code of silence or whatever. But after undisclosed new evidence emerged in the 1998 murder case, Kitak Yushu city prosecutors were able to conclusively prove that the hitmen were not acting on their own behalf. The orders came from on high. This sets a dangerous precedent for the Kutukai leaders for the first time since that botched genital surgery. Boss Nomura was well and truly sweating. It all came to a head in the second week of September 2014, when over 530 riot police officers were secretly transported down to Kitak yushi from around japan clearly something big was about to go down on the 11th these officers were deployed to key kudokai locations around the city while local officers surrounded the house of boss satoru nomura if this story ever gets turned into a film this bit would be the final showdown at 7:20 a.m that morning the mafia head's house was raided and he was served with an indictment a murder charge for the 1998 killing he thought he was immune from prosecution so long as he'd let his soldiers do the killing, but the times they were a-changing. Yeah, it'd be a bit weird if you were immune because you pay, you ordered someone to kill someone else. They killed someone else. It's like, no, oh, I didn't do it, did I? It's like, yeah, yeah, I didn't kill them. The gun killed them that I fired. It doesn't work like that, does it? They both, both people go to prison for murder. And that's definitely how it should be obviously. As Nomura was carried off in the back of a police car, his Kudokai bodyguard stood by the side of the road and bowed. They probably thought the arrest was all a bit of theatre for the news cameras, a legal pantomime to humiliate the Kudokai boss for daring to mess with the cops directly. After all, boss Nomura had been virtually untouchable for years, but Nomura's underlings grew nervous as the charges started to pile up. The Fukuoka City prosecutors were very much for real this time. After all, once a precedent was set by slapping Nomura with the 1998 case, why not try pinning the rest of the gang's crimes on him too? The argument was that, since the Kudokai emphasized absolute loyalty and absolute obedience, there was only one man at the source of all that terror. As his subordinates were scooped up and convicted for many crimes we've covered today, Nomura's odds of dying a free man started rapidly dwindling. Yeah, he was in his 70s or something, wasn't he? It's like, <laughs> you're going to prison for murder, you're going to be there for a while. Also in Japan, they still have the death penalty. They could hang you, which is pretty intense. The month after his arrest, the nurse's stabbing was added to the mix. The next year, further charges were tacked on for stabbing of the dentist and another non-fatal shooting of a contractor. Then in 2017, he landed his fifth arrest for the shooting of the ex-detective, thanks to wiretap evidence. Say, taken separately, all of the incidents just represented a pattern of gang violence, but prosecutors managed to weave together, weave them together in a complete narrative of a crime boss wielding his tyrannical power over a city. This kind of case is unprecedented in Japanese legal history, making Boss Nomura, something of a poster boy for the government's crackdown on organized crime. I mean, it took them bloody long enough. When these these guys were around, like running gambling houses or whatever, from before the First World War or Second World War, and the government's finally like, yeah, we maybe should do something about these gangs. It's like it took you bloody long enough, didn't it? And as things stand, things are looking pretty bleak for the old boy. What's happening now? The Kudukai's top dog was convicted on tax fraud in 2018 and is still serving a three-year sentence for that. A verdict is expected on the murder-assault conspiracy trial sometime after this summer, so we've got that to look forward to after the Euros and the Olympics wrap up. <laughs> yeah, they gotta get him on that murder, right? Or like, I mean, he's the top of an organization. They gotta have found something. Or like, they, he's, he's, he's killed many people, it seems, allegedly. Let's get, it, let's get him to stay in prison forever, maybe. 
hopefully. And the stakes couldn't be higher. Prosecutors have taken the surprising approach of asking for the death penalty for the old mafia boss. That might seem excessive. I don't know, it doesn't seem that excessive. He's like the head of an organization which murdered people. Since only one person actually died in the four attacks he's on trial for, but the point is that all of the people were innocent civilians. The Yakuza were able to court the establishment for a better part of the century by presenting themselves as a force of order in the underworld. Okay, so this is why they got to stick around for so long. Predictable, reasonable, gentlemanly criminals. Nomura, on the other hand, was outfitting his boys with RPGs and telling them to gun down granddads for fun. You ruined the fun for everyone, Nomura. Not only did he and his goons break many, many, many laws, their indiscriminate violence went against everything the Yakuza were supposed to stand for. Thanks to that, there aren't many cops, judges, or citizens left to even give the slightest bit of, a sympathi uh, of sympathy to little old Nomura-san. His top lieutenant, Fumio Tanyo, is getting off comparatively lightly. It's just a life sentence and a 20 million yen fine on the cards for him. Several other top-ranking members are facing similar prospects, and if all of them end up getting the maximum sentences, it's likely the end of an era for Kudo Kai and the Yakuza culture in general. Wrap up. The end of an era. Whatever happens to the septuagenarian mob boss, it looks like his gang will never quite recover from the judicial onslaught they faced over the past 10 years. His membership has dwindled to around 280 as many old-timers move on with new New lives and those who remain struggle to draw in new recruits to a life of crime. Something that Chinese gangs will muscle in in their place, and it's difficult to convince local youngsters to join when they're the ones who are likely to be getting their kneecaps smashed. Even the gang's iconic headquarters has been demolished after being purchased by an association of retired cops. That's pretty cool. <laughs> they just buy it to burn it down. Excellent. You'll now find ex Kudo Kai members occupying many walks of life in Kitiakushu and beyond. Last year, Japanese paper The Mainchi interviewed one of their old debt collectors, now going straight as a delivery man. And in 2018, The Guardian spoke to an enforcer, now running his own udon noodle shop. Some also went into construction work thanks to partnerships between police and private companies to give the gangsters a legitimate way to re enter society. Must have been an awkward first day when your colleagues recognize you as the guy who once took pot shots at them with a 12 gauge. <laughs> After all, it's tough not to identify an ex-Yakuza, even if they cover the tattoos. You can generally spot them by the permanent identifying mark on their hands. A severed left pinky self-mutilated to atone for offenses against the gang. Despite the stigma of living a normal life with such a dark past, these guys probably picked a good time to leave their life behind as the courts continue to stamp out Yakuza influence around the country. On the plus side, though, if you've always wanted to live in Japan but don't fancy teaching English, I know one company that's desperate for staff. If you're handy with hand grenades and have experience in extortion, send in your CV and I'll hook you up. <laughs> Just to be absolutely 100% clear, that's not a real offer. We're definitely not using the casual criminalist to help recruit for the Japanese mob. <laughs> Just in case that wasn't blindingly obvious, it was. Dismembered Appendices Number 1. If you enjoyed this Far Eastern spin on Goodfellas, there are plenty more interesting stories to dive into from the history of this mental mafia. They have some long-held animosity against Japan's biggest Yakuza organization, the Yamaguchi Gumi, and even head up a coalition of anti-Yamaguchi crime syndicates. Their bloody feud is as good a place to start as any. Number 2. Boss Nomura is sentenced to the death penalty, then a pretty awful experience awaits him. I mean, of course, being executed is never ideal, but especially so in Japan. Death row inmates are never told when they're scheduled to die, so they can spend years or even decades living in a Kafkaesque nightmare. Every day they wake up wondering if they'll get the surprise announcement. When it eventually comes, they're hanged just a few hours later. Oh my god, that is so intense. <laughs> that is so intense.
Like, why would you do that? That is just cruel. Number three. The practice of finger chopping is called yabutsume, literally finger shortening. If a Yakuza fails the gang, they're expected to self-amputate a segment of finger starting with the end of the left pinky and present it to their boss. Interestingly enough, the practice isn't only restricted to Yakuza. Each time I present a script with a typo, Simon makes me chop off a bit of a digit to regain my honor. Excellent, Callum. I mean, there's been zero typos in today's episode. I think I saw one... Uh, is it an apostrophe? <laughs> I think the word's an apostrophe. There was a colon instead of an apostrophe, or a semicolon instead of an apostrophe. I was like, Callum, I'm looking forward to seeing part of your finger later. Simon makes you drop off a bit of a digit to remain, regain my honor, which makes it more difficult to type. Kind of a vicious circle, really. <laughs> This has been an episode of The Casual Criminalist. I really hope you did enjoy it. If you did and you're uh, watching this show on YouTube, please do drop a like below, subscribe. If you're listening to this show in its audio version, hello there. I'd appreciate a review. That would be fantastic. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review. I think there's like a thousand of them now, which is incredible and awesome. Thank you so much to everyone who's left reviews so far. I look at them. I read them. They're seem to be overwhelmingly positive which is always so nice to read so thank you everyone who's left a review uh it makes a big difference to me if you know, it's nice to see those reviews so please do that and as always thank you for watching or listening seeking the truth never gets old Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.